I know the DJ. Do you? Welcome to episode 35 of But I Know the DJ, a podcast discussing all things DJing, music, nightlife, business, and pop culture through the unfiltered opinions of host Snacks. G- give me Snacks, baby! A.K.A. Jermaine, Tito, and Marlon Snacks, empowered by Dope Entertainment and our sponsor, Anchor. A little different this time, no guest this week. Oh! Just me, just talking a little bit of knowledge, talking a little bit of what's going on in uh, music, in culture. You know, you know the intro. Just me today. Um... You know, we're just going to keep it moving. Um, lots going on, obviously, post-pandemic as we are uh, even locally and then the global level. Um, live shows are back um, on the local level. Big Night Live here in Boston just dropped their dates on some big acts that they're going to have, including Alesso, Diplo, uh, Cruella, Dead Mouse, um, And, you know, even beyond that, a lot of people that have been pushing their uh, tour dates, you know, into 2021, 2022. You know, all that's going to be rolling out. Um, J. Cole actually just announced his tour with 21 Savage, the British Bulldog. Um, you know, concerts coming back with 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 a vengeance. And people are excited. People, you know, again, your tickets that, you know, went to shit in 2019 are going to be, you know, are going to be respected and going to be able to work for that time as well. It's going to be very uh, busy and comp- it's going to be a very busy and competitive fall season. However, a lot of people are suffering. A lot of cl- uh, you know promoters and uh, venues and venue owners are are, are really really struggling. Um, you know, despite such good exciting news and business, the Small Business Association sluggish rollout of the sixteen billion dollars shuttered <laughs> venue oper- operators grant program um, that Congress approved back in December is leaving many independent venues and promoters ill-prepared for their return. Um, you know, people can't staff. Um, people just aren't ready to be able to have this influx of um, shows, of performers, and ultimately patrons to be able to come through. We've seen this on the club level, um, you know, here locally um, as we've opened back up. You know, we've mentioned back in the in the last couple of episodes of how fucking crazy it is. Like about half of the venues that we're used to having here open um, for, you know, that I used to play in or whatever, they're not open. And, and, and it's real difficult. Um, you know, this is ultimately all that we wanted, but, you know, things are really tough. But it's exciting that li- live shows are coming back. Fuck, I haven't been to a live show in fucking forever. I mean, the like I said, big night, you know, in in terms of the, the acts that they book, they, they've been doing a lot of really, really big acts. 50 Cent, Steve Aoki, um, you know, to name a few over the last couple of weeks. So, you know, it, it is happening and people are becoming accustomed to it to, a, to an extent. But having those Big, big venue, big, big arenas, uh, kind of coming back, um, stadiums, etc. You know, it, it is pretty exciting. And I know that, um, you know, a couple months ago, uh, Fenway was under insane scrutiny for having some of their biggest acts, um, you know, pull out just due to the fact of uh, uncertainty. You know, how can some band from the 70s that plays every summer at Fenway, you know, kind of commit and, and, and risk the fact that they might lose money? If they get a random cancellation due to COVID, so they pull out and it's one of those things that a lot of people are complaining about because damn, these are staples into summer Boston culture and they're fucking it all up. So, you know, again, there's things that we're way too ill prepared for. And now that it is happening, we can't staff. We're not ready. There's no, there's still no fucking Ubers. You know, it's, 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 it's insane, but we are appreciative that it is happening. You know, 
We got to be positive. I'm a glass half full type guy. And so I'm here for it. As we spoke about, you know, J. Cole did just announce his tour with 21 Savage. And it's pretty exciting. He is coming to Boston. J. Cole is one of those dudes that, you know, I'm not an entirely huge fan of, but so many people are. I know he's a talented guy. His last album actually was very, very, very good. Um, He's just, you know, he's just some guy I don't really pay too much attention to, to be honest. Um, But exciting. Big, big tour drop. And um, in other uh, artist news, Ed Sheeran, the soulful Ronald Weasley. Is about to drop his Bad Habits record, um, having shared, um, you know, a few apocalyptic video teasers that are set to air in specific cities uh, such as Los Angeles on June 24th, New York, London, Beijing, and Sydney on the 25th. Um, you know, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's been kind of all over social media. Ed Sheeran being such a giant pop uh, artist, which is so still so fucking funny to me because uh, he's, he's a weird looking dude. I'm not going to lie. But I was looking at it or watching it rather. And just getting big, the weekend after hours vibes, you know, the, the makeup that he's wearing and, and, and the suits that he's wearing. He's wearing a red suit, very similar to what the weekend was wearing. It, it, it sprung up the conversation or, or really the thought process of uh, originality. And in pop music, obviously, you know, it being popular mainstream music, originality is really tough. Remember in 2015, where every single song sounded like Lean On by Major Lazer? There was this blueprint of what a, a pop song should sound like, you know, 100 BPM, Selena Gomez on the verses, and then a big, uh, you know, drop, Mubatone drop, pop drop that sounds like a DJ Snake record. Every song did that. I took a pill in Ibiza, sounded like that. Um, I know you like it, sounded like that, you know. And I think that ultimately just happens every few years where all you know you, you turn on the radio and everything sounds like each other and even trap music does that you know we we look we think of people who are you know big right now Pooh Shiesty you know 42 you know they're these tiny dudes that have a lot to say with really really nasally voices you know and that's kind of the sound right now um and I think that's the state of music you know I recently just did um Icon Side Room Hip Hop Night you know best hip hop night in the city ask your mom about it and I saw I st- I really really noticed there what which songs had big pops from the crowd and which didn't when you know you think of crossovers from like you know I'll do my um Dirty Sprite to Future stuff which is now crazy throwback energy which is wild to me. And then yeah like I said you do the 42 or you know Pooh Shiesty um Corlerai, stuff like that and huge pops from you know younger crowd and um I actually had a few of uh my friends um pull up this weekend and um they're they're you know over 30 and they while they're able to have fun great party people always great to see them you know you're able to feel the difference um and it's wild like people were just party differently as they grow older they drink differently they the, the music they listen to is different the, the the things they get excited about is so different and i always think it's really funny as a dj me being kind of in the middle me being at 26 you know i see both sides and it's uncomfortable. And especially if you're a guy, you know, being maybe late 20s or early 30s in the club, which is fine. But then you look at some girls and they're, j- they're just turned 21. It's their 21st birthday. And for some people, that might not be a big age difference. But for me, I'm kind of weirded out by it. And vice versa, too. Women who are over 30, 
talking to guys who maybe just turned 21. I feel that's that's less so or, or less frequent, but it is a thing. And so much happens within those 10 years, such developmental years, especially as party years, you know what I mean? Um, again, what you think is cool or what you think is fun changes so much. And uh, I definitely found that apparent more and more as, you know, the weekends go on. And um, like Hectic said last week um, on our show, there's still a lot of rookies that are coming out based on the excitement of post-COVID energy or the fact that we're outside now. And then there's the vets that, you know, I've been doing this. If you know, you know. And there's all these rookies that don't know. So they're not giving you the respect that you deserve, goddammit. And that's just the name of the game. The state of going out of nightlife is definitely still on its head. Talking to Ador, producer and, you know, head promoter of Dope Entertainment, Dope Promotions. You know, we're talking about looking into the future into September because right now we're going to be riding this wave, this not only summer wave, but again, we outside wave post-COVID. Only for that to probably start washing away by mid-August. Only for it to happen again in September with the influx of students. In Boston, most of the uh, universities around here required full vaccination to be able to attend which means they'll all be vaccinated all ready to party all ready to go out and not necessarily uh being so concerned about another spike that we saw last year um again everyone being or most yeah well everyone you know being enrolled being vaccinated and so that excitement imagine you're you're you know outside is open but you're stuck in fucking new hampshire or something Middle of fucking nowhere. And you're still working your summer job and shit. So you can't party yet. So the excitement that we had just a couple of weeks ago is going to be coming in again in September by the thousands. So we're going to be held down for quite a while. It's going to be, it's an exciting time. It's a hectic time. But I'm happy to be here. Happy to be alive. What a time to be alive. And I just, I did want to go into our next segment here. I know I'm talking to myself and talking to my beautiful people. Shout out my listeners. Shout out the guest listeners. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to everybody who's been supporting the podcast through 35 episodes. I appreciate you guys. Um, and I don't have guests for a reason. Or pff, I don't talk alone or host alone for a reason. I always have guests for a reason. Talking to myself is very, very awkward. 10 minutes in here. Very, very slow burn. But, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, I do have things to say. I do have things that I would like to uh, recap. You know, again, me having guests week to week is to get other opinions, other experiences through. And I think it's been going quite well. I mean, the guests we've had have been um, super diverse, um, been ex- extremely an honor to meet some of these people. Most of my guests, I've met them for the first time while on the show. Um, but uh, to be honest, both of my guests that are supposed to be on here today uh, canceled. So fuck you guys. Uh, appreciate it leaving me here on the on uh the hanging cliff here but you know what i'm the latino jimmy fallon i can do this shit it's no problem what i did want to bring up though is um this this article that i actually do really really love and that i check in on um every so often recheck in on every so often it is a complex article that um when it originally dropped i'm not too sure it had to have been at least five years ago but basically what it is is you know, obviously, I'm a big hip hop fan. Obviously, I like to try and cover and talk about as much music as possible. But at the end of the day, I'm a big hip hop fan. Um, most of the events I do are hip hop based, et cetera, et cetera. I'm a little bit of an historian, um, you know, a botanist of, of beats, um, as I like to say. And ultimately, what this is, is it's an article of the best rapper alive for every year since 1979. Why 1979? For those who don't know, that is the official birth year of hip hop back in the Bronx. And 
it's a really interesting article. It's again, if you're a hip hop historian, if you want to learn more about kind of the roots of it and, and, and who mattered and when and why this, it's a very, very, very long article. And the reason why I like it even more so is because of how dynamic of an article is. I originally found it, I think if it was not in high school, it was in college. So years ago. And ever since then, when it initially dropped for every year, they add on the most recent edition. So again, it has been very interesting. It has been very interesting to see the change. And so, while I won't bore you for going through every fucking year since 1979, what I will say is who the first couple were. Uh, we'll say the the first five, and then we'll go through the last eleven. So from 2010. And as we go through, I'm going to um, kind of go through why I'm not going to, you know, read word for word why, um, you know, what the article is saying, but follow along, feel free to uh, make your guesses as we go through each year. But I did think this was going to be something interesting that I could, you know, talk about with, with the listeners here, those that are hip hop inclined, hip hop forward, and that maybe if you're not kind of get an idea of kind of uh, sharpen up your chops here. So as we go into the top of the article, again, this is complex, the best rapper alive since 1979, if you'd like to follow along with me here. So if we're going back to 1979, these are very, if you know, you know, type artists. The best rapper, 1979, Grandmaster Kaz. The first to, the first person to DJ and rap simultane, simultaneously. And his original rhymes were stolen for Rapper's Delight. Rapper's Delight, if you don't know, I said a hip hop, the hip, the hip to the hip, hip, probably you don't stop the rocking to the bank. That's, you know, the original, one of the original hip hop songs. And, you know, if you don't know, hip hop was kind of uh, created, you know, we had our break beats, we had jazz, you know, um, blues, and those records by those DJs that, you know, that they had, they were doing, they were looping those break beats, the, the, the good parts, the, the boom, the, the, the boom, the boom, that ultimately people were dancing to at the parties instead of letting those songs rock using the doubles of those songs, right? Having two of each record and looping that break beat. So that was DJing, right? DJing being a very big origin of hip hop. And then holy shit, you get the dude who gets the mic. Oh, there's no words to this breakbeat, so they start rapping over it. And then rap and hip-hop become born. Grandmaster Kaz, 1979, 1980, Curtis Blow. Clap your hands, everybody, if you got what it takes. Because I'm Curtis Blow, and I want you to know that these are the breaks. Legendary, iconic, 1981, Kumo D., um, you know, he, you know, very, very famous, um, OG in the game. Um, and as we move, uh, into 1982, uh, Molly Mall, legend, 1983, run, rev run from run DMC. So that gives you an idea of kind of what we're working with here. As we start from the beginning, we're going to skip on to 2010 and get a little bit more familiar and we'll be able to better contextualize what was going on and kind of the credentials in which we are working with here. So in 2010, I think it's obvious Start ca casting in your votes now. Start making your guesses now. For the 2010 Best Rapper of the Year of that year, Kanye West with the credentials of My Beautiful Dark Suicide Fantasy, Good Friday series, if you know, you know, back on Hot New Hip Hop, World Star Hip Hop Days, dropping Good Fridays every Friday, some of the best records that you could possibly put out for free. Guest spots on Live Fast, Die Young, The Deuces Remix, and Start It Up Again. Big, big classics. If you know, you know. What it says in some of the blurbs and some of the, uh, you know, in the in the bio here for 2010 
uh, Kanye made a triumph for a return on rapping full time, lost in the hype of his post Swiftgate, if you know, you know, comeback was the fact that Kanye wasn't just the best rapper alive, but also the best rapper he's ever been. So 2010, Kanye West. Honorable mentions that they provided, people that were still in the running during that 2010 year. Rick Ross, absolute underrated legend. Nicki Minaj at this point, um, you know, on her rise on uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, had she had the best verse on Monster, and then um, also in the running, Eminem. 2011. This comes to no surprise to me at, at all as well. We have Drake for his first appearance on the list, I think. Yes. First appearance for uh, Drake at 2011. This is where he drops Take Care. Non-album cuts like Club Paradise, Dreams Money Can Buy. Guest spots on songs like I'm On One, Tony Montana Remix, and Round of Applause. Songs I still play to this day. Some of the stuff that they say here, Bill Simmons once called LeBron James the car wash everything package, saying you see an athlete get handed the everything package maybe only five times in your life. Drake is like the LeBron of rap. I've said this on the fucking show. I've said Drake is the LeBron and Jay-Z is the Jordan. I've said this. Maybe I got it from here. I don't know. Drake is like the LeBron of rap, and he can seamlessly do seemingly do anything rap sing craft projects create a soundscape and drop meme worthy lines so true the amount of captions instagram captions that are drake lyrics is absolutely absurd 2011 goes to drizzy drake rogers honorable mentions uh rick ross again rick ross is going to be a constant runner up here jay-z and kanye west so you know already from the gate drake being amongst elite talent moving on to 2012 drake again the Lysine God makes his footprint on the rap scene once again. At this time, we have uh, coming off of 2011's Take Care, guest verses on songs like Stay Scheming, No Lie, Amen, Pop That Fucking Problems. Crazy records. Again, pretty much all records I still play to this day. And even in an off year, again, coming off of 2011's Take Care, you know, Drake was still on so many records, more records, hell yeah, fucking right. You know, the motto all being huge in 2012 and kind of, you know, no one really up there to, to play with him except honorable mentions Kendrick Lamar. So I think this was about when good kid, mad city came out. Good kid, mad city is also a perfect album debate with your mom. Perfect album, meaning top to bottom, no skips and the best within the best of its time. So if we're looking at the context of 2012, you know, we're, we're, we're comparing it to Take Care, which is close to a perfect album. I, I used to say it was a perfect album, um, but I do think Good Kid, Mad City is a perfect album. Other honorable mentions, 2 Chains and Rick Ross, again, three times in a row. Put respect on Rick Ross's name. Thank you. 2013 Best Rapper of the Year, Kendrick Lamar. Coming off of his 2012 honorable mention, Credentials. Good Kid, Mad City, guest verses on ASAP Rocky, Young Jeezy, Jay Z Records, Bitch Don't the remix of uh, Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe, crazy. Not only becoming you know one of the best new dudes, you know XXL uh, uh, freshman cover, but also bringing in his his whole team with TDE. I remember everyone. If you wore a TDE hat or a TDE hoodie, I did not forget. I did not forget. Honorable mentions that year, Drake, Danny Brown, 2 Chain. Shout out Danny Brown for making even on to the honorable mentions. That's pretty incredible. 
Moving on swimmingly to 2014, Nicki Minaj, best rapper of the year. And the thing is, Nicki Minaj, Nicki Minaj is so underrated. So underrated. I would say probably best female rapper ever, surpassing Missy Elliott quite recently, I would say. Um, a lot of people say Queen Latifah for being OG. Uh, people will probably put in a, a vote for Lil' Kim. But I think Nicki Minaj's career has absolutely surpassed all of them. Starting here in, again in 2014, The Pink Print, her debut album, you know, bangers on bangers. If you know, you know. A stream of remixes and Lucy's. Lucy's, for those who don't know, are basically singles that weren't, you know, singles is a, is a, is a, is a record company term. Oh, we don't want to, this song is good enough to sell on its own. We're going to drop it as a single. A Lucy is a single that doesn't make money. It's like, you know, it's a mixtape. It's a mixtape joint or we're just dropping it. As we mentioned in the 2010, in the 2010 uh, entry with Kanye West, the good, you know, the good music Friday series where it was just free records coming out every week. Those are, those are Lucy's. They don't belong to an album. And first female rapper in 56 years to have four number one singles on the Billboard Hot R&B and Hip Hop songs chart. Put respect on her name. Yeah! We mentioned recently as well on the show the um, the the Mount Rushmore of the 2010s, and it, I think it included it included Drake, J Cole, and Kendrick, and it had one spot open. Nicki Minaj deserved that spot. Honorable mentions that year. Drake, Young Thug, and Killer Mike. Killer who? No, I'm just kidding. Killer Mike is, is a pretty good rapper, but I don't remember what the fuck he did this year to, or to deserve to be there. Moving on to 2015. Let's really get in a time machine and think about 2015 for a second. Meme culture was rampant. You know, certain songs kind of made that year. And all I can think of when I think of 2015 is a red puffer jacket, some Timberland boots, and Drake with Hotline Bling. Credentials, two number one debuts. If you're reading this, it's too late. And what a time to be alive with Future in the same year. First ever Grammy-nominated diss track in back-to-back. Hotline Bling, highest charting solo single. And launched OVO Radio on Beats 1. Guest versus on Blessings. Where you at? Rico in 100. Insane resume for a single year. Back-to-back, you know, Grammy-nominated district. That is absolutely disgusting. Back-to-back is such an insane record. The beat's not even that good, but the lyrics, like, if you're if you're trying to pin Drake as non-lyrical, just listen to back-to-back and just... It's not even just the bars, but it's just the complexity of those bars. The fact that it had... Um, the, the the album cover was of the dude who hit the walk off home run for Toronto against Philadelphia. It was just it's just how how do you think of that? It's just absolutely insane. Honorable mentions for twenty fifteen future Kendrick Lamar and J Cole. Another another you know running for that Mount Rushmore spot for me future. But again, I got I do got to show love to Nikki. Twenty sixteen, I don't like this choice. I don't like this choice, but I'm I'm a little biased. 2016 best rapper of that year, Chance the Rapper. One of the corniest dudes on the fucking planet. Oh, my God. <sighs> I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I've never been a fan of Chance the Rapper. Credentials for that year, Coloring Book. Ugh. Ultralight Beam, which 
which is the only reason why I can tolerate him because his ultra light beam verse is is amazing. Live performances on Saturday Night Live and the ESPYs, Magnificent Coloring Day Festival, and he remained independent throughout this process. Me personally, I don't think this is enough credentials to earn you the best rapper of that year. And he's so fucking boring. Oh my god, he's so fucking boring. Honorable mentions for that year, Q-Tip, Kendrick Lamar, Young Thug. Honestly, I probably would have given it to Kendrick. Young Thug, maybe. Honestly, just not Chance the Rapper. Fuck Chance the Rapper. 2017, moving on, almost done here. Kendrick Lamar back on the list. Credentials, number one album debut. First solo single to hit number one and four Grammy wins. It includes here one of my favorite lines of all time by the great Ric Flair. To be the man, you got to beat the man. And depending on how you view it, to pimp a butterfly was one of those was one of two things. To most, Kendrick's third full length, um, you know, full length project that was gonna you know kick him on the mainstream and uh, you know make him you know make him super popular. It was very intellectual. It was it was it was jazz inspired. It, it was an amazing piece of work. But to others. It was the admission that to that point, when it came to creating popular rap music, it just he 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 wasn't it. You know what I mean? And and like I, like I was saying earlier, Good Kid, Mad City. I've been a fan of of him since Good, not his, since his um you know Section Eighty Days or anything like that. I, I will admit the first time I did hear Kendrick was Good Kid, Mad City, and like I said, perfect album. I thought it was absolutely fantastic, um, but. You know, he kind of just went, you know went into the con- you know conscious stuff and. Uh, made uh, political music and again music that was very jazz inspired which is really really dope and i and i do and i do bump it to this day um but if we're thinking about rap and especially around this time 2015 2016 where this is really when club when club music or clubs really started accepting rap and hip-hop so club ready records were kind of what's being consumed and so when you when you release an album like To Pepper Butterfly, you start going against those norms at that time contextually. Is that going to elevate you? Maybe. Is that going to hurt you? Maybe. Right? Depending on who you ask. So for a lot of the younger people, maybe. Oh, man, this is that boom, bappy, backpack, whatever. But to some of the more intellectual people as well, it did hit all the way home. For comparison's sake, Drake did drop two albums that same year, which were, you know, again, the other side, the the, the radio stuff, the, the, the club stuff. Um, and so honorable mentions will include him. Honorable mentions, Jay-Z, Cardi B's first mention in all of this and future. I believe this is when Cardi B, I think this is like when, you know, Bodak Yellow probably hit the streets. And then, you know, she and then she becomes she starts launching this Instagram era of rap personalities where people on where what was she on fucking love and hip hop or basketball wise or some shit? Where did she start? She started on something, some show. I'm pretty sure it was love and hip hop. And at the time, she was just this loud mouth, funny stripper at the end of the day. And as a lot of people on those shows do, shows do is they try and um, develop a, a, a career, a music career, singing career, rap career based on the hype that they get from those shows. And she was just another one of those at the beginning. And then fuck, she's really fucking nice. 
going into 2018. I thought this choice was pretty wild. Sorry, not wild. I was surprised. 2018's best rapper of the year, Pusha T. Credentials, best rap album, Grammy nomination for Daytona. Really great album. Love Daytona. Should have been longer. And Complex's best album of 2018. Plus, the famed story of Added On. If you don't recall, this was the time of the Drake and Pusha T beef, which is the one or probably the biggest L that Drake has ever taken. You know, in the past, Drake's won uh, beefs with uh, Joe Budden, Meek Mill, as we mentioned. And this one, you know, what a lot of people thought was going to be another one on his record, another belt. Pusha T actually fucking washed him, in my opinion. It was sad to see because I do love both artists. Um, also, my name is my name. Should have deserved at least... It should have deserved a Grammy. I think it got a, a nomination. Ugh. But ultimately, 2018 did go to push a T with honorable mentions J. Cole, Drake, and Travis Scott. Travis Scott's first mention here. I feel like a lot of people listening would say that Travis Scott at least deserves a place, placement here as we near the last uh, two years here, 2019 and 2020. And I'll say that he actually doesn't get either. 2020, mm, I would say 2021... Uh, we'll have the discussion when we get there. 2019. I was kind of surprised at this choice as well, but it also kind of makes sense. And again, so this is the year before COVID. Think of how the clubs were at the time. Think about how the the radio play was at the time. 2019, the best rapper alive that year, the baby. Credentials, baby on baby and Kirk. Two great, great projects out the gate, running the clubs, running radio, and started getting into TikTok. When I got on TikTok kind of early COVID, it was fucking DaBaby songs everywhere. To the point where I started really disliking DaBaby. But it makes sense. In the opening weeks of 2019, Lil Nas X's Old Town Road was picking up momentum on TikTok. Post Malone and Sway Lee had the highest charting rap song in the country. The uh, When I Left in the Dust. I don't know how that's a fucking rap song, but whatever. We'll call it what it is. And the early pick among industry experts of rap's rookie of the year was a soulful young artist named uh, YNW Melly, who I absolutely dislike so much. Every A&R in the country was desperate to sign the next melodic rapper, and the sound of hip-hop was evolving at an accelerated pace. This is something we've talked about in the in the podcast in the past. You know, melodic rap, um, emo rap. You know, it's 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 become super popular these days again with people like uh, YNW Melly, uh, Juice World, rest in peace. You know, the like. But as we all learned in physics class, for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. And I'm concerned with melody melodic trends of the moment. A fresh new face from Charlotte, named a baby, had emerged within the trenches. On March 1st, he dropped uh, Baby on Baby, which just included so many fucking fire records that it's funny because I think in the winter of 2018, when I was playing, uh, the, you know, the clubs around there, a lot of people were like, yo, you need to get on this guy named Baby. He just dropped this uh, mixtape, uh, Baby on Baby. Has a lot of, you know, Going Baby was on it. Um, Up the Street was on it. Um, you know, early records like that. I think Suge was on it. If not, it was on Kirk, but I'm pretty sure Suge was on it. 
And I was like, okay, cool. Looked into it and I was like, oh shit, this is like super different. He has like this, you know, Southern accent with um, how he raps and he's actually just like spitting bars, but the beats are fucking sick. And I started playing it in the winter of 2018. And I remember saying on the microphone, because no one was reacting because he hadn't blown up yet. And I remember saying on the microphone, congratulations on playing your favorite song in six months. And here in retrospect, we're seeing that he was the artist of 2019. Honorable mentions that year, Young Thug, Benny the Butcher, who I think very much well deserves a placement here. For, uh, for those who don't listen to Benny the Butcher, definitely listen to Benny, Benny the Butcher. And Freddie Gibbs. Freddie Gibbs is a very interesting pick in my opinion. And now last and certainly, certainly not least, we have the 2020 Best Rapper Alive. I think this is absolutely well-deserved. I think this is a great choice. We have Lil Baby. Credentials, the most consumed album of 2020 with My Turn. A two-time Grammy-nominated singer, the single, The Bigger Picture, and fucking features up the fucking ass. In, tw- in early 2020, you know, we had saw a little baby kind of uh, really come to his own after, you know, just a few years. I don't know if you know little baby's story, um, you know. Young Thug handed over a stack of cash and encouraged him to seriously pursue a rap career after he was really in the fucking trenches in ATL. Um, and, you know, after releasing seven projects between 17 and 18, took a break in 19, directed his focus on perfecting an album and would undeniably establish his place in raps. Highest ranks, wasting no time in 2020. Dropped pre-album single with Summon to Prove on the ninth day of the year, showing his hunger as he rapped about how Quote, unquote, by the time I get 40, I got to be one of the greats. And I think he's done that very, very well. Honorable mentions from there. 2020, Freddie Gibbs, once again, Lil Uzi Vert, Benny the Butcher. Uh, months ago, in one of our earlier uh, episodes, I believe, when I had like three other DJs here, Cammy, Toomey, and uh, Stamps here, I said at that time, Lil Uzi Vert was arguably the hottest rapper out. At the time, he had dropped like three or four projects that were all amazing. Um, so I'm glad to see that someone recognized the same hero with the honorable mentions. So that's what we have for the last 10 years. Sorry if that was boring working here, working by myself here. But I did think it was something interesting that, again, if you are a hip-hop fan, hip-hop fanatic, hip-hop historian like myself, the botanist of beats, as I like to call myself, um, you will appreciate kind of seeing that that evolution. We started the the decade at 2010 with Kanye West. My Beautiful Dark Souls Fantasy, an amazing album, ending with Lil Baby. You see what I'm saying? The year before that being Da Baby. Oh my God, the fucking babies. Holy shit, I just noticed that. But where do we go from here? 2021, you know, we're halfway. Who's, I would say Lil Baby might go back to back at this point. I think Lil Baby's going to go back to back. Who else would beat him? Oh, fucking, um, yeah, no, I don't think anyone would beat him. I kind of want Tyga to win a year just because I, I fucking love Tyga. Bang, bang, city bitch, bitch. Oh, God. I fucking love Tyga. But anyway, some little programming here is going through the ranks here. Um, I'm, I will keep this episode nice and short as uh, I'm sure you guys don't want to listen to me talk too much. But again, we, we do have more guests coming through. Again, I appreciate everybody listening. Please watch us on YouTube. I'm staring right at the camera right now. I appreciate you. I love you. Please DM me more AKAs because I'm running out 35 episodes deep. I'm a dumbass by uh, swatting out three with this episode with the uh, three with three Jackson brothers, Snacks and brothers, as I, as I might say. I'm not going to lie. 
the botanist of beats is really going to become a real thing that I just thought of on the spot today. And I really, really like it. For those who don't know what a botanist is, just look it up and it'll make sense. But I'm going to leave you guys with this. We're outside. It's time to level up from all the market that we've lost. Continue listening to But I Know the DJ. Follow at Dope Entertainment Official on Instagram. Follow your boy. Give me snacks on Instagram. And we'll see you next time.